My name is James Callis. I play Dr. Gaius Baltar on Battlestar Galactica, and you're listening to Galactica Quorum. Previously on the Galactica Quorum. You think the ship jumped? And again, I haven't seen the preview, so... That's, that's the, it's a great, great cliffhanger. Where did, they end? Where did they end up? If Hilo's not the fifth one, why the hell is he on the base star? Why did... I still don't understand why Roslyn requested him. Considering that the Demetrius storyline really was... I thought it would last longer than it did. It was sort of it premature was. the way it ended. I don't know if it's been in every episode and I haven't noticed it before, but all these characters had their wedding rings on. Lee, Adama, and Ty all had wedding rings on. Hilo. <laughs> Apparently the whole line's in love with him now. Stupid humans. <laughs> Stupid humans. They deserve to die. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Galactica Quorum. This is show number 47. I'm Brian, and with me today is... Jason! <laughs> Michelle! Wow, for once you had an enthusiastic hello. That's great. We're a podcast about Battlestar Galactica. We have a website called galacticacorum.com. Our email is gquorum at gmail.com. That's spelled G-Q-U-O-R-U-M. And our voicemail is 206-350-6756. We want to say up front that we have not listened to the official Ronald D. Moore podcast that is yet to be posted. They're really behind this season, but... There's we'll, three behind now. That's fine. Maybe they, maybe they submitted that others do it better. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying, Jason? We will not discuss any spoilers, but we will speculate. I'll speculate. Some cons to mention. We have, let's see, coming up in Brisbane, Australia, is Gen Con Oz. That's July 3rd to 6th. That's going to have Jamie Bamber and James Callis. And then, if you want to fly halfway across the world, a week or so after that is Shore Leave in Baltimore, Maryland. That's July 11th to 13th. With Mark Shepard and Leah Cairns, a.k.a. Racetrack. A.k.a. the go-to girl. The go-to raptor girl. <laughs> and then Dragon Con is a month or so after that. That's in Atlanta. Are you going to name everybody that's going to Dragon Con? No. That would take <laughs> the whole podcast. We have them all listed on our website, on the events page. Right. Are they all going? A lot of them are going. But yeah, our events page on our website has a listing of several cons. Actually, more than we're mentioning here, but... Yeah, check that out for a listing of everything that's coming up that might be in your area. All right, we have several emails to read, and I apologize if we don't get to all of them. We'll have time in the next couple of podcasts to catch up because the mid-season break is coming. But here's what we have to start off with, one from Jeff. He says, I just recently started listening to your podcast. I wish I had found it earlier, but at least I found it. Oh, as an aside, uh, I got a lot of emails and voicemails from people who have just found our podcast and... Uh, Yes, I am glad that people have found us. I guess the best way, if you want to spread the word, you know, mention it to your friends, post on your blogs, do whatever you can to help spread the word. Twitter and plurk us. That kind of thing, right. I'm all for that. (laughs) (laughs) You'll have to explain what that is before I let people do it to me, but it sounds intriguing. Does it involve toes? Shut up about the toes. (laughs) Okay, he writes, I wanted to say thanks for what you're doing and toss my prediction for the final Cylon of the Final Five. I think it's Cottle. No good reason, just because no one seems to be guessing it's him and he's been around for a while. I like the actor and it would be a good surprise. You know what, I 
do kind of like it being an older guy like Cottle for the fact that it kind of sets up like there was just someone besides Ty who was an older guy. It almost makes me wonder if, you know, him, let's say it was just for sake of argument that it is Cottle and Ty, like they're the older guys and like for some reason they're the final five, but like the other final guys are sort of like kind of like a second generation final five. I don't know. The younger gen. The younger gen. There's uh, one little tidbit. Some people know this, that the actor that plays Cottle was the runner up to play Ty. It just went to the balder guy. I think he got chipped. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Ty, from John, he writes, How could Caprica 6 be impregnated by Ty? There's no love there like with Sharon and Hilo. Those projections that the Cylons do can't possibly be the answer. I don't know. I kind of think that he envisions Ellen so much that maybe he was that's what his projection was. I agree with that. I, we've actually, I think someone else emailed in about that, too. And said, that's basically it. Because he was projecting Ellen. That was the love. And she... And she did ask him, do you love me, Saul? I've been honest with you. Maybe her model just really craves... Love. Love. Yeah. And she is seeking it. Literally, okay, Jason's cracking up, but... Uh, no, I just think it's hilarious. The perfect Cylons created a whole line of women with self-esteem issues. <laughs> <laughs> and really, there's two of them. Yeah. Because, you know, Sharon's not the most stable line going along there. Right. They always make fun of Sharon's line. Like, the Cylons themselves make fun of right. her. Right. Like, they admit she's flawed. From Michael, we have this email. He says, There's one thing he didn't mention that I think just about rules out Hilo as a Cylon. When Baltar uses Hera's blood to cure Rosalind, he explains that the blood is a cross of human and Cylon. Unless the final five are biologically human, Hilo seems unlikely. In the farm... Cylons speculate the reason they can't get pregnant is that they lack love. This could explain why Ty was able to get six pregnant, presuming he was seeing her as Ellen whom he loved at the time, which we kind of just alluded to. Yep. So uh, Michael continues, and there's a voicemail that kind of dovetails with this, so I'll play them kind of back to back. He writes, Finally, I'm not sure I buy the clueless Lee theory. Romo thinks that Lee vetoed everyone other than himself because Lee wants to grab power while seeming to have it forced on him. I was really bothered by the idea that Admiral Adama has the effective power to veto democratically elected Zarek as president, and the general reaction is to just pick someone else. Some people saw President Adama coming as soon as Lee left the fleet. Maybe Lee saw it coming too, and he's not quite as selfless as it seems. Let me play a voicemail for you. Hey guys, this is Des. I just finished listening to last week's podcast for Sun Quanan, and I just had a thought. I mean, we were all making fun of Lee for being clueless, but it just seems like the character... You know, overall, it's just had all this authority thrust on him when he really just wanted to be left alone to go play on his own. So could it be that he just was deliberately not seeing himself as the uh, number one candidate in order to avoid taking the responsibility? Just a thought. I uh, love the podcast, and uh, thanks a lot. What do you think? Did Lee think of it, or was he just being a, a dope and he there couldn't is, see it? I think I've read things that there are people who are very good at manipulating situations to make it look like it didn't turn out exactly like they wanted it to when really it did. And that might be where they're sending Lee. I am starting to feel a little bit of that because I watched these two episodes back to back because I was out of town. And I just felt like after watching the second episode, I was like, why did we just spend 30 minutes agonizing over Lee becoming president? Because, you know, we've got to find a new president. Rosalind's gone. And then, well, Rosalind's back. So they've got to answer the question because... A Lee that doesn't want power will immediately go, okay, I'm done. The president's back. Whereas a Lee that really wanted this might try to pull something. 
Right. Then there is the third. The third option is that now that Adama and uh, Rosalind are you know hitting it. She may not want to be president anymore and just, you know, go live. I have a feeling that she may not want to be president anymore. Because one, she she just may want to be done. She may want to be done and she seems to be getting a little sicker. And I think they're pushing her towards that path of getting sicker and sicker as the season goes on. So I just don't, I don't see why she would. She said it herself. She, she just doesn't care anymore. You know, she told Balter she just doesn't give a frack anymore. I kind of wonder how the fleet really is accepting that Lee became the president. And outside the walls and the, the ships of the Galactica and Colonial One, wouldn't you think like the general populace would be like, what, Lee Adama is the president? We got an Admiral Adama as the military. We got an Adama as the president. But Adama stepped down as Admiral. Whatever happened to they, uh, um, what? voting? They spent like several episodes in one season about how important the vote was. Yeah, and now we've just thrown that out again that we're not going to vote anymore. Yeah, I just feel like the people would be more like, what, what do you mean? It sounds like a, a coup of sorts that the Adamas have been placed in power. That's like what Baltar have been saying all this time is like there's like this other government. And he's, so. No, he's exactly right. It's just, I'm sorry, the, the general population feeling will be that all we know is a guy that was a fighter pilot up until, you know, however many weeks ago is now president. Yeah. I don't get that. Right. Yes, it, it has all the, the earmarks of a uh, the military placing one of their guys in charge. One more email from Jesse. I'm wondering what you guys think about the upcoming Cylon 2, 3, 6, and 8 relationship with the human fleet. It seems that 8 is pissed at humans and 3 can't trust anyone. Where will this go for the fleet? And what happened to Boomer? By the way, isn't it odd that number 2 isn't in the fight? It's all 6s and 8s. Where the hells are the 2s? He was noticeably absent. Yeah. Apparently he's a Starbucks lover, not a fighter. <laughs> um, I think the interesting thing they've set up, as much as I mentioned to you in the brief conversation Monday about how weakly I thought the Cylon Civil War played out, the interesting thing is, is what Hilo and the other Sharon were talking about. They were sitting there on the ship before the battle, and she had talked about how she went in and downloaded Athena's memories. Man, if I was Athena and I found that out, I'd be so pissed. It is like cheating, isn't it? Yeah. It is. It, it, in a weird thing, it's like cheating. But we, we don't know if that went to all the Sharons or whatever. But the thing is, is with the hub gone, you can't really think of them as lines anymore. Because they're not going to develop in a communal fashion. It's a group of individuals that all look alike, but they're not going to have shared experiences. Right. At least in terms of coming back with all the memories. By the way, it does give some credence to Rosalind and Adama's worry when Athena shot herself to go resurrect on the base star that she gave up intel and that Hila was like, no, she wouldn't do that. Well, it's involuntary. It's it sounds like, yeah, it sounded like no matter what, the, whatever information she had, they got. So. Which would have been a neat angle to play, but we never saw it played. Right. Then there's Boomer. Traitor! She's dead. I don't she's think dead so. to me. No, I think she's dead. I don't think she is. No. You think she got off the hub? You think she had the self-awareness to get off the hub without Cavill telling her to do it? <laughs> if they wipe off that one character just so indiscriminately, it's it's almost like that character's been along since the very beginning, and it just has so much developed in that character. And just to First, she was diminished to begin with when she became Cavill's pet, and then to just kind of just write her off so cavalierly. It, but it's almost uh, an appropriate ending for a character that was so degraded by the end. My feeling is that we haven't seen the last of Cavill. 
because he was killed before the hub went away and there's a chance he could have resurrected. I just, he is another one. I just felt like, wow, I cannot believe that that would be his last appearance. That would just be, uh, to me, just terrible because that's one of the best Cylons, just the actor and everything. I just, I must see him again because I don't know. You know how about the okie doke that, well, I guess they wouldn't have had time to build another hub. But, well, here's my question, though, about that. Don't they have, like, multiple resurrection ships? But I think they all exist because of the hub. hub. Oh, okay. Without oh, the got hub, it. the resurrection ships are just kind of... Got it. Though... There's still bodies on those ships. Right. What about a plot point that says, you know, they took bacon jury-rigger resurrection ship? Let's go ahead and... Uh, I'll do my summary, and then we can like get into the full discussion of the episode before we get too heavily into it. So this was for the episode The Hub... And I just want to remind everyone that Pike has been doing the video recaps on YouTube. Check them out. Picking up where we last saw Rosalind and company, the rebel base star jumps away from the fleet. During the jump, Rosalind has a vision. Where Deanna had divinations about the plane between life and death, Rosalind slips between the cracks of relativistic space to another dreamlike place. Here in the empty halls of Galactica, she encounters the priestess Alosha, a ghost of events yet to come. As the rattle hybrid engages one jump after another... Rosalind wanders about until Alosha leads her to a room where she sees herself in the final stages of cancer, near death. Hilo and an eight discuss strategy for when they reach the hub. The eight is well acquainted with Hero after accessing Athena's memories from her last download, with intimate knowledge of Athena's neck massage special, and one presumes other tricks not appropriate for basic cable television. Maybe on the DVD, perhaps? We can hope. Hilo briefs the pilots on the mission. The whiny unit has to be reminded by the Athena stand-in that they have a job to do, and it could be worse. They could be on a stinking garbage vessel. Hilo has reservations of his own about one aspect of the mission. He chafes at Rosalind's instruction to secretly alter their arrangement with the Cylons. Cavill reactivates Deanna, who repays him by snapping his neck. The attack begins, and Boomer beats it out of there. The Vipers, working in conjunction with the Heavy Raiders, target the hub's FTL, conveniently located on top of the ship and exposed for all to see. After nabbing Deanna, Hilo and the Athena wannabe make their way out of the faltering hub, pausing only briefly to observe the expansive view of the Matrix C pods, each containing the likeness of Sharon, living and organic, with eyes empty and devoid of life. Smoke trails of missiles crisscross through the battle, with some making it through the flak barrier and hitting their target. Baltar is watering the seeds of rebellion in the slowly awakening mind of the Centurion when their compartment is hit. Baltar's theology lesson is cut short when the bullet head gets blown back to its maker, and Baltar takes some shrapnel to the gut. The Marine guards are afraid of blood and needles, so Rosalind tends to Baltar, applying a bandage and giving him a sedative. As the morphine takes effect, Baltar finally confesses his secret crime that he was responsible for the silent attack. But he also says after realizing his role in God's plan, he no longer feels guilt. Shaken by this admission, Rosalind removes his bandage. As the lifeblood drains from Baltar's side, Rosalind has a vision showing the moment of her own death. She observes Adama's grief as he tenderly says goodbye and places his wedding ring on her hand. Back in the present time, she reapplies Baltar's bandage and is relieved to find he is still alive. Despite Hilo's misgivings about Rosalind's instructions and the fact that she was the woman who tricked him into thinking his baby was dead, Hilo plays the good soldier and delivers Deanna to the president. Deanna drops the bombshell that Rosalind is a Cylon. Not. Oh, Deanna, such a prankster you are. The base star at last jumps back to the point at which Adama is waiting for them. Reunited at the base star, Rosalind tells him she loves him. His reply is Han Solo-esque. About time, Adama says. Roll credits. I like Deanna. She's like, and you didn't know that you're one of them? And she starts laughing at her like, how you should have seen her face. You know what? That's one part of the episode. I like the episode overall. That was one part I, I didn't like. Why? I thought it was funny. I just thought it was cheap. It was like in a B-grade horror movie when the character's out in a dark room and you know something's going to happen and someone jumps out at them and it's their friend just trying to scare them. Well, it's, almost was like, a, it's almost a subtle insult to all the fans. Mm. 
Because that's basically the biggest mystery of the show that all the fans are discussing. I thought it was funny. <laughs> I don't know. This is the way they did it. Like, the music turned Plus, dramatic. and As I said, we knew it was a joke because we've seen the final five now in the previous episode. And who were the final five in the previous the episode? Fifth, as I said, I watched them back to back. The fifth Cylon has been established. Lee Adama introduced him as the, a true hero of the Resistance, and he fits all the other criteria. It's Jake. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, uh... <laughs> no one can argue the point. The Muffet character would be the fifth Cylon, is what you're saying. The Daggett. Mm. Yeah. See, that almost makes sense, because if you're going to test something... Test it on an animal. Test it on an animal, like in the space program, you send up a monkey and a dog before you send up the people. All the other four were key members of the Resistance. <laughs> <laughs> it basically wouldn't have worked without Jake. I'm just saying... They said that the Cylon Raiders have the, the intelligence of a, of a dog. To me, that's been a clue all along. <laughs> they have, like, these, you know, toned-down AI of Jake. Yep, there you go. Jake has been killing Viper pilots all this time. Bastard. <laughs> now, the thing I liked about this episode was, once again, like I said, I think they reestablished that whole question of who are the good guys, who are the bad guys. Because when it came down to upholding the truce and the bargain, it was the humans that broke their word, not the Cylons. So once again, you're kind of left feeling bad for the Cylons. Going, wow, the humans are kind of evil and bitchy. Well, they're certainly whining. I'm really getting tired of the squadron always on the flight deck, bitching and moaning about, oh, I don't know about this is going to work, and why do we have to work with them? And ah, just They do bitch a lot, don't they? I mean, what were they complaining about, really, this time? It wasn't that they were on a ship that smelled. It was what? Well, they that, were complaining that they didn't trust the Cylons. Well, if the Cylons wanted to kill you, they would have done it a long time before. Since you're in their ship and you're surrounded by these big metal guys with guns. You know? It's like, why would we go through this plan of, hmm, we're going to let you fly out your Vipers uh, into space. At that point, then we'll decide to kill you. Yeah. Instead of killing you now, we can take all your military hardware and all your planes and everything else. Think, people. Stupid. <laughs> Stupid humans. <laughs> Stupid humans. They deserve to die. <laughs> well, Pike was the major complainer, and he died anyway, so... Well, he died, Later. and Hot Dog was kind of a whiny, and Celix also is a big whiner, too. She is! One thing I, I kind of don't like is they had set up in the previous episode this grand thing about Adama going to turn in his Admiral pins, and he's going to wait for Rosalind, and he's going to go on this recon mission of his own. And unless they somehow detour, it sounds like they're going to go right back to the fleet and that the importance of it just sort of doesn't become as which, grand. Which is weird, too, because they've established that they can't unplug the hybrid again. Right. The hybrid is the one that controls the jumps, but it automatically jumps to the hub. The hub is dead. So it's probably not that the hybrid wasn't whacked out to begin with, but how did they get control of the jump back so quickly? Yeah. And they obviously got it back because they jumped back to that specific point. But it's like, how'd they do that? Yeah, I guess they're going to get back to the fleet. But yeah, again, it's like they had drawn out all these plans for this big story arc. And then the sci-fi channel kind of said, well, you've got to do it in this amount of time. So they're still going through all the grand plans. They're just crunching them down. And things that seem like they should take a longer time to explore are getting done in like one and two episodes. They're just like, what? I've heard a few people complain that the Resurrection Hub, the conceit that the hub is gone so that they can't resurrect anymore. And it, it seems sketchy that they somehow would only have this one device. And 
I guess we have to accept it from a storytelling perspective, just to make it so that humans and silos are on the same plane in terms of their mortality. But it does sort of like stretch your uh, believability that they only have this one thing. And why not say, okay, the humans don't know where our home world is. They never, they're not going to go there. They're going to go off on their own. Let's just take a couple years or months or whatever and retreat a little bit, regroup, build another one. Like somehow the technology wasn't so uh, fantastic that it couldn't be repeated. I mean, they built two Death Stars, right? So why not just uh, build well, it again? Well, not that they just built one. It's that you can understand why maybe they were cavalier about death and the ships seemed to go down pretty weakly because they could be rebuilt or the science themselves were resurrected. But you would think if the hub was the key to the whole thing, it would have taken a lot more to take it out. Yeah. The defenses around it seemed very lax, definitely. It was just like uh, Independence Day. We've got this one ship that they're going to recognize, and, we'll just, and they'll let us in, and we'll destroy the whole thing. <laughs> Same thing. Well, here comes some heavy raiders. We've kept track of everything we've got right now. These seem like extras. <laughs> but let's just let them come on up as close as they can get anyway. Mm. It just it didn't make sense. Yeah. Build a new one. Make it so the exhaust port is not exposed. <laughs> it can be destroyed by a proton torpedo. In the urgency of wrapping everything up by the mid-season break, I just felt like they kind of made leaps that require answers. Mm. Uh, let me play a, a voicemail from Amanda. Hey, this is Amanda again. Did you guys notice that the only Cylon fighter pilots were the women? Where was Leoben? Did he just decide he could not fly Stupid Raider? And he's like, I'm going to stay on the base star. Also... I have to also comment on Baltar hitting on Roslyn. This guy, even with a big hole in his gut, does not stop. It does not stop him from trying to get laid. And my favorite part, the wannabe Athena totally trying to hit on Hilo. Kind of creepy. And I'm thinking, Hilo must be like a rock star type figure surrounded by all these apes. It's just like, ooh, maybe he can get us pregnant. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Go, Hilo. <laughs> Apparently the whole line's in love with him now. Why are you constantly tired? You wouldn't understand. <laughs> I, I don't think it's that they are in love with him. I think I think the line of Sharon's might actually be, I don't know, kind of infatuated with him. Not necessarily in love with him, but infatuated with him by the fact that, you know, he and Athena were able to have a child and what's so special about him that allowed them to have a child. It's the curiosity factor on and their it's side. It's a line of very attractive women that all are seeking... <laughs> The approval of men. Right. Willing to do pretty much anything for that. I think Hilo could potentially get them all pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) He's that virile. Well. That's a lot of child support. (laughs) (laughs) No no military guy makes that much money. (laughs) No, that is a good point. I mean, we we kind of touched on briefly. We didn't look at it as they were all. It was all the women as it wasn't Leoben. But then again, for the quote-unquote flaws these two lines had, they were the people that were established as, they put them in charge of important missions. I mean, Six was on Caprica. Boomer was on Galactica. Yeah. It, it, you didn't see... Leoben was just stuck in the armory. Or... Right, Leoben was stuck in the armory. Doral was a PR guy. He wasn't infiltrating the military. Yeah. Cavill was never established as anything. So, yeah. He was a priest. Maybe they're like, maybe these two are like the, uh, the low numbers on the Stratego board. What is Stratego? Oh my god, you're so young. I've heard of it, I just don't know exactly what it is. Uh, there are the pawns in the chess game. 
Okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they do the dirty work. They're the ones that go up. Right. You mentioned the arcs of the season. I kind of agree that the arcs seem like they're really truncated. Like, I thought that Demetrius' storyline would go longer. The Silent Civil War um, was played out really in, like, half of an episode, and the rest of it was, like, off-camera right. somewhere. I kind of thought they'd stretch that out longer. Yeah, see, they could have used another season. I, yeah, I agree. I, I think, on the one hand, I, I like that this season has been, even though they're truncated, they've been several mini-arcs spanning two, three episodes. And, yeah, granted, they could be longer. They could have been four or five but on the other hand, if they had gone another season, we would have gotten a bunch of filler episodes with like one shots. That That's exactly been... it. Well, it's right on the plus side. I mean, you're not getting filler episodes, except that sometimes the filler episodes, as horrible as they might seem or as blah as they might seem overall, you use a main story filler, right. but your secondary stories are advancing the big plot points just in smaller increments. Right. And I think that's what's missing. Yeah. Can't believe I missed the. Uh, I, I longed for the days of a boxing episode. Oh, <laughs> I know you're the first okay, one to not, come out. And- not that bad. Not but- that bad. No. no. <laughs> uh, we brought it up briefly earlier, but Cavill. One of the things that I was kind of disappointed about the, in the episode was Cavill. He was there very briefly, and I felt he was more of a prop than a character. He was like there to turn Deanna on, and then he was like just removed. He didn't have like a lot of the great signature Cavill lines or gestures or anything that we've seen in the past. And I really, again, if he's gone, I'm just going to be really disappointed because this was not the way I want to uh, be his last appearance. Yeah, but I really enjoyed Deanna snapping his neck. Yeah, you've seen so many neck, neck well, snaps in the show. It's like, eh, whatever. Part of that, it was the classic takedown of a guy who had gotten too sure of himself. He was convinced that Deanna would actually just have been so happy to be back on that she wouldn't, you know, have done what she did. What did you think of the Elosha dream sequences? When I first saw Elosha, I was like, there's a character we hadn't brought up as a Final Five candidate, and wow, I think that would have been a really good one. Because, number one, woman. Number two, a priestess for the gods, who it really is a Cylon. What an irony. That would have been awesome. And she's dead, which is, you know, one of my silly uh, criteria. But that would have been a really cool twist if she had been the one. Because she's been out of the picture for so long. A lot of people have that she's been dropped off the radar. I wasn't sure if they were, like, going in that direction when I first, first saw her. But then it became clear that she wasn't. But that would have been cool. But anyway, what do you think of the, the vision sequences that we saw. In you general. know, I'm kind of over the whole head whoever. Like, how many more head people are we going to get? It was only the crazy humans that survived. <laughs> yeah, I kind of felt like that when they she first showed up, I thought this is an interesting twist, kind of like along the lines of Deanna's visions when she was shooting herself to, like, get some sort of vision. But then it became more kind of standard and pat how she would go there and have this regular conversation. It wasn't quite as... It was more of like it wasn't as hallucinatory of, as what I was expecting it to be, and it was sort of I don't know. It didn't. It was kind of a letdown. It after was, it was kind of more of a you know the ghost of Christmas past, right? Yeah. I was much more interested in the resolution of the silence of war side of things. I was actually more interested in Baltar trying to convert the Centurion than I was. <laughs> that was awesome. Then, uh, yeah. but it almost thought there was a glimmer of recognition at some point <laughs> they were going for. Right. But I thought that's fantastic. You know, is he crazy or just really like willing to look at anyone as? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Looking at all the silence, like, does he go find a raider next? <laughs> you know, and talk to the metal hull. Keep Jake away from him. Yeah, the visions. <laughs> I was kind of like, eh, okay. 
I feel like we had the Rosalind Vision episode already. Yeah. And we didn't need a note. One thing that hasn't been resolved is they try to talk to the hybrid and say, what does the Opera House mean? What does this mean? They're back at the fleet. I hope they at least pursue that. Then it doesn't just drop off the table. And you think it wouldn't, but I mean, again, I think I mentioned this either to you guys just offline or in a previous podcast, but like what happened with like the Starbuck going crazy every time they jump thing? And she just seemed like the last couple episodes. And why was Starbuck just, and why is Starbuck just allowed to walk around Galactica now, like without Marine Guard? Because they trust her now? No, freaking way. There's too many, maybe the big boss trust her, but there's too many people that don't. And I don't mean like walking around the guard, but there's just too many people that are like, I don't know about this, for her to just be walking around like that. She's probably the CAG again, too. Well, she is. There's nobody left. Because there's no one left, and she made the comment, (laughs) I don't have enough pilots to have enough ships to do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love in the hybrid scene how Balthar's like, well, she really likes me, and she'll respond to me, and... You get a little arrogant about well, that. Well, she had breasts, so Baltar <laughs> felt that, you know, he was in control. Strangely enough, they didn't play Baltar. They didn't play him up enough in this episode, but I think his scenes were probably the best. He made use of what time he had. Yeah. Definitely. Next episode, the title of the episode is Revelations. I don't know if they're going to reveal the fifth one, but there's a good chance that uh, they're going to be ex- the final five. Expose the other four. Right, they might expose the final That's four. That's looking at that, yeah. Yeah, so... Just one last stab at saying who the fifth might be, just in case I do it next episode. Last podcast, I said that one of the things that I've noticed about the final five was that they all were drawn to other Cylons as love interests. I said Ellen might be still a good choice because she and Ty were drawn to each other. But I had thought about it, and from a couple months ago, I had Kane in there as a possibility, although I'd hate that. But she, too, was drawn to the Gina character, so that keeps her in. Oh, but, I never thought of that. But... Just totally on a different tack. I think one cool twist would be if it, and someone probably brought this up, but like if Jammer was the fifth one, I think it'd be really ironic. And they go for ironies in this show big time. If several of the final five killed one of their own in the airlock, if they find out the identity of the guy, they'd be just like, oops. I still think it's Gata. I still like Gata, though there's part of me that also says it has to be a female. Yeah. Because it's three males and one female. I just thought there'd be a little bit more of a balance. But females I can think of, I, it's like Duala is the only one I can come up with yeah. that would make sense. That even and I just don't see it. Yeah, it's going to be Cassiopeia. Is going to be the who the hell is Cassiopeia <laughs> from the original series? Remember yeah. the, uh, the hooker from the, the hooker series. from the first she one? Was a hooker, dude. I need I to watch. Was, the show. I think she was more of a high-priced call girl. What they call them in the show? They had a name for them. It was uh, a companion. The, uh, what that was, was Firefly. Companion? Yeah, I don't remember. Oh, yeah, no, there was like a, it was an English word, but it was like, you know, they had that term. Yeah. Just really quick observations about uh, the episode. I really like the music in this one. It was different from what we've seen or heard before because the battle scenes didn't have like that usual drum beat that was, you know, driving force. It was more orchestral. Again, going back to my theme of the last couple episodes, that the last few have felt very cinematic to me as if you were to place them all together in a movie. This did feel like getting towards the climax of what could have been a movie. And uh, that music really seemed to fit that for me. The other thing I noticed, which this is really a level of detail, but Rosalind's scarf, if you want to look at wardrobe, she had uh, her scarf was had butterflies on it. And, you know, if you want to take any symbolism from what that could mean in terms of metamorphosis, maybe that was just a costume designer choice. Maybe it was a producing choice. I don't know. But who knows? How would you uh, rate this episode? 
I can give it a B. Oh, I should have gone vertical. It's awesome. It's a solid B. Yeah. I'll give it a B as well. We mentioned some of the drawbacks, but I thought it was okay. I guess the thing that I'm worried about is how it affects the story now that it brings the characters back into the fold. I think if they had done it in a way that did not negate some of what happened in the previous episode, in other words, Lee becoming president, Adama going off on his recon mission, if that was allowed to play out longer, I think I would be happier. But it's almost like they did a do-over after one episode, and they're going to go back and have to deal with that. Right, they were kind of showing two episodes back-to-back that we're kind of inferred these were happening at the same time. Yeah. So it's not like Adama even waited for him for that long. Right. So, yeah, so it's not like you can go back to the fleet and have another episode that says, well, this is what happened with Lee and Ty in charge while they were gone because that timeline has not been established. They're going back to pretty much like a day or two later. Yeah. Okay, so our next episode we will discuss the last episode before the big mid-season break. I'm not sure how long the length of that break will be, but have no fear. We will stick around. We did it for a year last time, so uh, we will still be here. So just in closing, our email is gquorum at gmail.com, our voicemail 206-350-6756. Send us email and voicemails. We will get to them. We're going to have plenty of time when the off-season starts, and we'll catch up on everything. So the jump clock is running. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm looking at these toes going, I don't want to get too close. What? What about my toes? Some oh. monster digits. Hey! You <laughs> said my toes were big! I can't believe you said that about my toes. I think they're cute. I wear a size 8 for a 6 foot tall woman wearing a size 8 shoe. If you wear a size 8, size 4 feet and size 4 toes. <laughs> Shut up! Because it ain't your toes that are keeping you size 8. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. I found something to pick on the show about. <laughs> something new. Everybody picks on my feet. Dimitri and them say it's the reason why I always fall over. <laughs> so so they're huge and that's they don't the, work? That's just yeah. the constant drunkenness. We, we should have been recording this. We are we recording, recording it. it. Thank God. <laughs> and I'm sure he's going to use the foot remark as his little outtake. <laughs> Hey, if you had viper-sized toes, <laughs> what can I say? <laughs>